0: Welcome to the decompression chamber. My name is Andrea, your humble host, and joining me this week is my pal Ashley, also known as Not Funny White Girl on Twitter. How are you doing today, Ashley?
1: I'm doing pretty good. How
0: are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. All right. So, uh yeah, we'll go ahead and do like we do with all of our guests and get your background. Where are you from? I'm kind of
1: from Jacksonville, I would say, is my main hometown. Jacksonville, Florida. Um, go Jacks. Hell yeah. Um, but I kind of floated all around. I've been growing up in uh, England and Albuquerque, New Mexico, and all over the place, and then settled down in Jacksonville, so <laughs> that's where I called my hometown.
0: Well, yeah, that definitely sounds like it has a magnetic effect on you, but England and Albuquerque, uh, did you have... Parents In the military or oil industry? What was all the moving around about?
1: Yeah, yeah my dad, he was in the airport. Okay.
0: <laughs> awesome. Yeah,
1: he, um, so we, uh, we bounced around all over the place so I was about 10. And like a lot of parents did <laughs> in the 90s, they divorced and we went back to Jacksonville. Um,
0: oh, okay. I lived in
1: Alabama a lot. That's like my second hometown. A little teeny tiny town of Millbrook. But, um, that's where i went to school but in okay. after i graduated high school went to jacksonville and and stayed there till i ended up
0: here in new orleans <laughs> <laughs> all, all right yeah hey not not too bad you can tell tell us all about the the southeast um but
1: uh <laughs> exclusively yeah i never yeah. been up north i've never been up to your neck of the woods
0: eh that's that's probably a good thing but uh it's also cool <laughs> um you know, probably not too many people get to say that they remember the formation of their favorite football team, but Jaguars, of course, are, mm-hmm. what, 94? so. Yeah,
1: 94, 95, I remember when they were building the stadium, we'd go there and be like,
0: oh, wow, <laughs> we're big time now. Yeah, heck yeah, yeah. No, Jacksonville's great. I used to do, um, you know, Fourth Fleet. The Navy's kind of kind of out of that area, so I used to go down there sometimes to do some training, but uh, yeah, definitely... Definitely a great area, and you know, nice, nice place to call home. But you said you're in uh, New Orleans now.
1: Yeah, that's where I work. I live outside of New Orleans. I got a good little haul going to work and back, but um, uh, I live in right past Picayune, Mississippi.
0: Wow, it, I, I'm sure that's a commute. But I, I was just hearing the other day, um, what was it? Uh, New Orleans needs about 2,000 police officers, and they have only about 500. So that sounds supremely dangerous.
1: It it is. Um, <laughs> there is well, there's the mayor that I want to blame, but some people have said it's not just the mayor's fault. But New Orleans kind of has that TikTok trend where they're all bouncing around on cop cars and waving oh. guns around. You know, downtown New Orleans it's not really good look for recruitment either.
0: No, no, I I don't imagine it would be. Yeah, firearm safety rules don't apply, and uh, you know, the results speak for themselves.
1: Um, yeah, there is an interesting um, thing going on right now where people randomly get shot on i ten during oh. rush hour. Cool. It's just, and the cops are like, we don't see a pattern. We don't know if it's anyone specifically. So I'm like, that's wonderful. There's just random people that get mad enough at their you know, co-drivers on the road to just pull out a gun and shoot them.
0: That's, yeah, yeah. that's completely <laughs> insane to me. Holy Santa Claus shit. Yeah, just just start. Well, and it's also crazy that like the cops don't see a pattern. It's like, isn't that kind of your job? Be able to see some patterns, track down some leads? I don't know. The basics. It's
1: like a mile stretch on I-10, which is a super long interstate. You know, maybe dig a little deeper, but. uh...
0: Wow. Wow. That is is astonishing. Um, Well, do you happen to take I-10 to your uh, peaceful? Yeah. I do. Oh, my I God. Do. Are you packing? Or do you have a grenade no, or something? No, I
1: just don't I don't um, drive during rush hour. That's how I solve it. Um, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> well, hey, whatever I it either takes. Work,
1: like, I either work 5 a.m. to 2 p.m. or 11 a.m. to uh, 8 p.m. So okay, I avoid traffic. Luckily, I can work with my boss about it. I'm like, look, I'm the only one here that drives right where this is all going on. Can we just make it work? for me a little bit, and they
0: did. So. Good, good. Uh-huh. Um, I'm glad. Yeah, that is... Um... It's an odd request to make,
1: you know, I never thought I would deal with,
0: but... Well, yeah, I mean, what a what an odd thing to take into account of your commute is like, well, it's not just rush hour and heavy traffic <laughs> and commute times. It's um, it's being shot at. I'd like to avoid that. Yeah, I mean, just basic safety considerations. Wow. Um... There was a woman, you'll see, I'm
1: sure I've Twitter posted it, It's like those ladies, I was like, six minutes behind someone that got just randomly shot she only got shot in like the leg oh she didn't die or anything so it's great
0: oh well fantastic Uh, yeah i mean then that's not even attempted murder who cares
1: but new orleans east is where they say even if you're like flat tire don't um don't pull over just drive on the rim you know your radiator's over just try to make it out of new orleans east before you ask for help wow Um, and it was there that this all happened so we had to everybody was diverted but luckily i'm in a truck so i got to hip hop around and go over certain things i normally wouldn't be able to do and got away as quick as possible and it was uh it was so nerve because they shut down the whole i-10 both directions wow so it was Like holy cow how do i get home i'm on the other side far away
0: yeah so, yeah no kidding holy crap that was when
1: i that was the tipping point
0: where i at. all right so basically you're saying that you do have combat experience so that's that's good (laughs) um for for those of you listening i i should have mentioned um ashley herself is not a veteran but that's actually really important for the topic we'll get into a little bit later um Mm -hmm. but uh but yeah uh it so all right dad was air force do you live in a war zone um (laughs) And, uh, any, anything else, uh, you want to tell the listeners, uh, about your background? Um, you know, a little fun fact.
1: Uh, I don't know. There's uh, what, yes, our last year was an incredibly horrible year for me, but that was, that would be something far off to talk about and nothing to do with talking okay. about. I ended up here from, from Jacksonville for certain reasons, but
0: yeah, yeah. No, and I, I, I know what you're what you're talking about there, and um, yeah, we can we can move on to a topic to, to cover for the day. Uh, I'm sure, a lot of people have heard about it, but the military is having a hell of a time meeting its recruiting goals. And this is why I wanted a civilian on to talk about uh, how the military might be able to re- meet its recruiting goals for this one specific reason. The military recruits from civilians there is such a thing as prior service recruiters, but um, they don't do nearly the business as uh, the strict civilian recruiters. Um, so, yeah, I want to get uh, get Ashley's perspective on um, why the military is having such a t- tough time getting warm, capable bodies in uniform. Well. Do you have uh, any yeah. any ideas or anything I- that immediately comes to mind?
1: I would say that Growing up, like, when I lived in Alabama, that's where I went to high school. So I would say a good majority of my, you know, the people I grew up with there, most of them did grow up or did end up joining the military. Mm -hmm. They um, weren't done by any recruiter, I can tell you that much. Nobody ever, I mean, they had the J-R-O-T-C. Yeah, yeah. And they had things like that in school, but they didn't have, I never, I never was approached by any kind of recruiter there. So I don't think like a personal recruiter, I think what used to drive recruitment wasn't necessarily people going out randomly. There was people going into requests to join the military. Mm -hmm. And I would say it's like, Growing up, I know I heard like my mom and my dad would because that's where they met. They met, the, met in basic training. Um, oh wow! But they um, they always said they didn't have anywhere else to go. You know, they didn't. They weren't. They didn't have any family that could afford tuition for colleges. My dad was smart, but yeah, they both joined the military because well, my mom was in Jacksonville. and She's like, I gotta get out of here. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: He joined and my dad he was turned 18 and his mom was like you gotta get out and he was like I guess I'll go join the military yeah and so I think that a lot of people in that generation that was their options
0: that is true yeah
1: you know that yeah there was no other source of income for them no governmental programs no bailouts no well- nothing like that
0: yeah, yeah. I mean that is true. I mean in terms of, of opportunity, I mean what what are you gonna be doing? And, you know, I I'm originally originally from California, so different different culture there. There are a few people that joined the military, but it was more like, you know, they're going to ROTC, going to college first, earn their commission. Very few people enlisted that I that I recall. Um and then I moved to Idaho, so much more agrarian community, and it was like well you can kind of stick around for the family business or the few opportunities that are around but if you wanted to get out of there which a lot of people did there's kind of you know one option and uh mm-hmm. i remember in talking to the navy recruiters they said they they met their recruiting goals so quickly cuz every every region you know has their recruiting goals i mean they can't just recruit unlimited numbers of people i mean they got to kind of stick to what they got um but people like Local kids like set their calendars to like go in the first part of the month. So, you know, maybe they could could be able to enlist and, and whatever else. I mean, it was overwhelmingly popular. But, like you say, that was kind of the only option for people who don't have a, a boatload of cash or <laughs> whatever else. Um, yeah. Or want to attend a leftist indoctrination center for four years. <laughs> you know, it's kind of what they do. Yeah, to get exactly. Out. And I would also say, like,
1: some of the people that I went to school with, the ones that did join the military, I think, because we were, like, a sub-Montgomery, um, Maxwell Air Force Base. That's where, like, I I grew up at, at a couple of years mm-hmm. at that base. Yeah. But it had a little, you know, suburb. It was Millbrook. And so everybody there, like, most of the parents were in the military anyway. But I think it was the parents also that the, the kids I went to school with joined the military because their parents were actively, you know, getting saying, Hey, this is the best option for you. Yeah. And I don't know if that exists today either. You know, I don't know how parents today are saying, Hey, you know, why don't you try the military? You've got these responsibilities at 18, you know? Uh,
0: Yeah. You know now, well, I mean, 18 is is a very different age now than it was then. You know, you you think about how people, how, actual adults have been infantilized over the last several years where you're on your parents health insurance till you're 26 what yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know so maybe you if take they were that stuff
1: away when they're 18 they'll be uh, a little bit more desperate for options you
0: know no i think I that's know. definitely true and and certainly if you want to stick to a volunteer force uh, all volunteer force mm-hmm. i mean if you want to reinstitute the draft that's a that's a separate conversation but yeah if you if you need an all volunteer force you have to uh create some some areas in which uh, people's backs are a little bit more against the wall <laughs> and desperation rises.
1: Mhm. Yeah. And I, I mean it sounds um, it sounds kind of harsh to say, you know, but it it's how it is and it it builds stronger character in people at 18 having to join than you know, people figured out at 28. I don't <laughs> know when they stop recruiting, you know.
0: Well, yeah, I, I just kind of basic guidelines from what I can recall is, um, you know, for active duty, you can be, I think, can't be past the age of 29, I want to say, and then uh, I think it's 39 and a half for, for reserves, and that's just like enlisted Navy from what I remember off the top of my head, um, but, it, you know, you can always get a waiver, and You know, there's certain things where it's like I'm over the age limit, but you know, I'm I'm in shape. You know, I'm willing to do it, and you can get a waiver for that. You can go a little bit older. That's fine. Um, And so, yeah, I think people are probably older before they make the decision to leave nowadays. I mean, I certainly was. I think I was I was 23 when I went to boot camp, Um, but there's still plenty of teenagers there too. I mean, they're (laughs) oof. They're interesting, but uh, you know there are a couple of thirty-nine-year-olds where it's like, dude, what are you doing? What happened?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're like, oh, you're either really hardcore, dedicated, or just out of out of options. And yeah, I can't. I mean, I relate, you know. But luckily, I'm. Well, I'm. I guess, unluckily, well, almost forty. It's next month. It's coming up.
0: Oh wow, wow. <laughs> it's yeah, it's coming for us all fast. Well, and also the the two-time periods that, that you looked at like I mean obviously your parents went to boot camp before you were born but you know the backdrop of that you have the cold war Vietnam is over you know there's a bigger cause to be working towards but it wasn't particularly dangerous I mean nothing's really going on in you know late 70s early 80s mm-hmm. um, but also like when you were young and getting out of high school I mean that's before that's pre 9-11 so again it's it's an opportunity and not particularly dangerous. I mean, Kosovo may have been happening, but, you know, there's nothing super crazy or a war going on, so it seems like a good opportunity probably, too. A lot different than today.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of people, because I graduated in 2001, and, I mean, people went into the military right before all everything happened. And Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, I've, I've talked yeah, to a true. few people who have been in or, or got out joined uh, right about the time of 9-11, and it's just such a a huge turning point. Um, And, uh, yeah, I don't recall what recruiting numbers were Uh like immediately post-9-11, if people had, if there was any sort of surge or if it stayed consistent, how that that all worked. Um, But I remember there was... um, you Know after Trump was elected, he said he was going to name uh General Mattis as his uh Secretary of Defense, and there was like, dog Yeah, yeah, and like I remember I was really excited about it at the time, it was you know, a massively popular appointment, and um, you know, there are memes he's like, No, I want to be the Secretary of War, and, and all these things. Um, but I know that like really got you know, there was a spree corps. There are guys I was talking to where it's like, All right, we got like a non-bureaucrat in charge, like a real Marines Marine in charge, like I'll re-enlist or extend or whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's like, who do we have now? Lloyd Austin, some fat <laughs> bureaucrat? Like, oh, wow, yeah, let me let me re-enlist, and this guy knows what he's doing. Um, yeah, now well then, it's – oh, go ahead. I was going to
1: say, you know, you remember – what's that lady's name um, – Cindy Sheehan. You remember her? Yeah, yeah. And I remember growing up, I thought that air shows were the most awesome thing on the planet. Still are. Like, I guess that's why I like working at airports is because growing up on Air Force bases, you know, getting buzzed by huge cargo planes was always fun. Like, riding my bikes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, going and seeing that now. So I guess that's kind of funny. But, um she would always remember she would poo poo air shows and she was like an anti-war activist. Yeah. All in the news. And I don't know why everybody gave her so much attention because she, it definitely couldn't help recruiting either, you know? And that, that was like parents, there's people that are my age that are parents of like 18, 20 year olds. And Mm -hmm. you know, we, that, she came around, around that time where you, we're like, you know, warmongering and glorifying military and industrial complex and all that. And that could be another thing. Like the parents never said, you know, the military is not that bad. <laughs> Cause when yeah. we were, you know, when they were, when we were raising our kids, all, all the like social figures were all anti military, you know, that Yeah, there was, there was no, you know, we came out with these Top Gun remakes too late. They had, you know, <laughs> there was no no pro-military type things like in between like 2005 maybe and now. Like it's it's all woke and...
0: Yeah. Uh, no, it's definitely true because th- you have to think with such a small percentage of the U.S. population serving or having been veterans, I mean, we're talking only like if you include veterans only like a couple percent it's very so for someone to know personally a, a service member current or veteran it's actually not very likely you know or enough where they could talk to them about their experience or get an accurate picture so you're kind of left with what media is pumping out whether it's a movie where it's like oh that looks cool they're shooting them up and or uh or just like you know post nine eleven, it got to be like oh thank you thank military members for their service. So it's almost like this exalted status for someone who's otherwise relatively ordinary, just, you know, regular guy or or woman. Um, So, you know, that's kind of the image that you get. And then you, yeah, you have like a Cindy Sheehan who's, you know, for better or for worse performing, or performing, um, presenting a different perspective where it's like, no, it's not this glorified thing. Like I lost, I lost my son. He was killed, and I'm sorry for what exactly. And uh, you know, people at the time didn't really want to hear it. I kind of see more of, more of her point now, being older, more experienced, and hence more cynical than I was, fifteen years ago or so.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. There's like, there's like, you know, I think it's photos of soldiers, you know, peeing on. Uh, people, you know, that was all bad. Yeah, yeah. A lot of bad publicity that came
0: out, and uh, um, I don't know. I, yeah. No, and I, I know the the story they're talking about is uh, they were Marine snipers, and uh, they captured and killed some uh, Taliban bomb makers and urinated on their corpses, and I, I think it was about six of them. I mean, they got drummed out. It was... It was a whole big thing, and I don't think that the potential recruits, you know, people who the military could recruit,ed I don't think they were troubled by like, "Oh my God, these guys are peeing on dead Taliban." I think they were more like, "Oh my God, I might."
1: Everything's recorded. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I might see myself, you know, possibly doing this, and you know, it could, I could be in those shoes, and I'm gonna get railroaded for it. You know, exactly. after serving my country, why would I want to sign up for that? You know, it'd be one thing if, you know, I get wounded or, or something like that. But my expectation is my leadership in my country is going to have my back, and they're not.
1: Exactly. And that's changed with, like, social media, all these handheld phones. I don't know. It's weird. It's good to have transparency, too. But I do think it um, changes, like, the dynamic of, like, how people perceive
0: Oh, for sure, uh, you know. But... Yeah, you can't. You know, you have this image of the marine of like climbing the mountain and slaying the dragon and swinging a sword around, and it's it's polished, it's professional, and and then you have this other image of actual reality, you know, I mean, war is hell, and you know, it's the image, the you know, the un- adult, you know, the. uh unblemished image that you had in your head just doesn't exist anymore.
1: Yeah. It's more real and it's understandable when you put it in context, but if you just have like a five second attention span, you're like, oh my gosh. It,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, for, you know, the marketing campaigns now, of course we all know about like, uh, the Army Corporal Emma with two moms, that animated thing. Um, I don't know if you know what yeah, I'm talking about.
1: Okay, yeah. yeah, that's not getting anybody that's not getting anybody to go like, yeah, right on America. You know, it, it's not.
0: Yeah, it who cares? And, and my my thing is and this is like easily forgotten by people very, very quickly where it's Serving in the military is a privilege. It's not a right. Um, and and what I mean by this is, uh, at least by around the time I joined, and I'm sure the percentage is higher now, is 70% of the people who walk through a recruiter's door are going to be turned away. And that's going to be for anything from, you know, they've got a dick tattooed on their face, or they have a criminal <laughs> record, or, you know, any they're overweight, um, any number of things that can prevent them at that moment from serving. Now, obviously, if they're overweight, they can work on that. But that's, you know, recruiters are legally limited in how much they can do because of liability. They run them too hard. They dropped out of a heart attack. Recruiters now liable, stuff like that. But, I mean, you're you're turning away an, an enormous part of the population. So, of that remaining 30%, you know, who's – Those, who can you appeal to and get the highest, you know, amount of that remaining pie, so to speak, and, um, you know, someone who's in such a unique spot of, like, well, I got two lesbian moms, I went to college, pretty privileged otherwise, but I joined, like, that's, I'm sorry, that's just not who's making up the ranks. (laughs)
1: Love is love, but let's go, you know, out there, kick some butt, you know,
0: it actually, words of wisdom right there. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Let's go kick some butt. Yes. It's, yeah. you know, people want to be on a winning team. And, uh, you know, and really, like, take charge and, you know, whatever, th- whatever that looks like. And I just don't view the military as a winning team anymore. And I don't think it's any no. one thing. But, you know, gosh, like 13 people... 13 soldiers, Marines, and a sailor were killed last year, you know, with the Afghanistan pullout. And it's like, well, what? I was what...
1: just going to say, you know, what kind of message is that sending to any kind of potential recruits? Like, you, we fought in Afghanistan for 20 years, and you're yeah. withdrawing and leaving. You're everybody that passed away and fought. Yeah. You know, you're just. Giving it back and just saying let us let them you know what I mean. At one one kind of far left side of me goes you know what maybe we shouldn't have got there in the first place you know and it right but it's it was how we handled it you know which made it, which brought it all back I think you know all the different opinions of all the presidents we I mean the presidents we had in between the war that we were just polar opposites one back to back so yeah. It was kind of, so that didn't help, and now we're at the point where yeah, we had Biden just go say let's just withdraw the whole thing and go into Ukraine instead,
0: you know. So I yeah, that's that's another thing that's just completely crazy. We'll, we'll uh, get into Ukraine here in a second, um, but but yeah, I I think there's probably a million different ways you could have done that pullout. I mean, after 20 years, it's you're overdue no matter what you do. Um, but yeah, that that so many people were killed and, and that it was just so disorganized and and no one was held accountable um uh what was his name uh, lieutenant colonel scheller uh there was a marine who uh spoke out against it and like they kicked him out of the marine corps you know he went mm-hmm. short of retirement and it's like that's the only guy who's been punished and then i think uh, the U.S. Naval Academy fired their defensive coordinator for their football team. Like, those were the only DOD folks who got fired in the wake of Afghanistan. I mean, it' crazy. And uh, yeah,
1: you, just it no accountability. Couldn't have been, it could have been cost-effective to at least bring the, everything back and then withdraw and somehow make it some kind of positive, positive PR spin. But the way it was, you're just yeah, you know, watching on the news, like I'm not an egomaniac, but this I mean, I'm not watching it as a normal person, knowing that this is way off. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it, look, once we leave, I mean, and I I think we should have left. Like, there are some people talking about leaving 2,000 troops there. <laughs> I, I'm I wasn't even necessarily in favor of that. It's it's like look. This is not rocket science. Once we pull out completely, Taliban will take over. That's just, that's how it is. You know, it's it's just, that's what it is. So, you know, yeah, you can leave 2,000 troops there, but it's like, what, you're going to have this endless war. and I, I, I'm i sorry, uh, my, my countrymen are worth a little bit more than that. You know, get them, get them out of there. Um, mm-hmm. Sad to say, I don't, you know... Afghanistan, I mean, it's a totally different place with a totally different culture. Um, and and people forget, like, the Taliban uh, came up as, like, a conservative response to, like, you know, highway robberies and, you know, all this lawlessness and stuff anyway. Um, and, you know, Afghanistan has kind of got to figure out its own stuff at, at some point. You know, all this propping up, and they're talking about they had security forces that were ready to stand up. It's like... I've never been to Afghanistan and I know that's bullshit. There's no way. <laughs>
1: yeah. and it, it, I don't know. I don't want to sound like I'm talking out of turn either, you know. It's just, there's a lot of respect there for the people that were there and hopefully someone there isn't all just you know, somebody had to think of some sort of exit strategy. And then, I don't know. like to have folks that they had some kind of sense doing what they did, but it just doesn't it doesn't make sense to me as just a common
0: person. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's It never does. And, you know, I, I think we can come away from Afghanistan. It's like, gosh, we were there 20 years. You, you know, maybe we learned some lessons. But, you know, in terms of embroiling ourselves in a conflict, may, maybe we should be a little bit more cautious of the next one. And then, you know, here we go. We've got Ukraine. And... <sighs> keep sending money over there and everything else and it's like why are we stirring the pot with this stuff I mean look I I feel bad for Ukrainians I feel bad for for Russians and I gotta say I think I have a lot more in common with you know your average Ukrainian or average Russian than I do with anyone in my political class and you know my you know any of my political leadership you know they don't seem to be representing my interests At all.
1: Yeah. And there's, you know, the whole 9-11 thing that was all created. Or I mean, I'm not a 9-11 denier or anything. But there's people that speculate that this was all just to get people into war. And who knew that you could go into a war without any of that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you have to create this drama of two planes, like, killing 3,000 people? If you could just walk in and give a country that's fighting another country billions of dollars yeah without doing any of that like it's possible I it's
0: it's so so crazy to me and in, in the degree to which we're we're agitating is is really crazy having you know the debacle of afghanistan just 12 months in the rear view uh well i mean even less than that when you think about when you you know the ukraine conflict started uh it doesn't seem that you know, our return on investment for foreign intervention is paying off any dividends. I mean, this is like, um, you know, for anyone who's read uh, The Unnecessary War, um, talking about World War II, um, you know, it it kicked off because uh, Germany invaded Poland. And this is, you know, there's one specific region that Germany wanted because... uh, the uh, Versailles Treaty had given it to Poland, and um, for whatever reason, and there's a lead up to it, but the British didn't want that to happen, so they and France gave Poland a war guarantee that if Germany invaded, they were going to defend Poland. And Poland went, Oh, okay, so we don't have to negotiate to give this land back. All right, Germany, you want that land back? Tough, you're going to have to fight for it. And it precipitated World War II, and I mean, 50 million people plus died. And um, you know this whole propping up of Ukraine is is maddening to me because I just do not see what the U.S. interest is. It, but we continue There's, to send money. I don't
1: see any. I don't see any at all either. And why get yourself? I mean, actually, it's been going on for a little bit, and I don't know how. I wonder how long it started with World War II. I mean, I'm not. I haven't read that book. <laughs> yeah. But I wonder yeah. how long it would be that it took things. For, to kick off like that. Oh, sure. We yeah. thought, I I was under the impression that, holy cow, Ukraine, and it's going to be World War three right away. But yeah. now it's just, you just get a Twitter update that we're sending $5 billion for this and $10 billion for that, you know, to Ukraine. Yeah. And we don't really have, I mean, we have a few people going over there, I yeah. assume.
0: Yeah, it's as like advisors, but, which is never a good sign either, <laughs> you know, if you remember, yeah. like, your Vietnam history.
1: Yeah. So I'm like, how long is it going to be at this point before it kicks off? And I can see how you're like, how did it, how did it start back then? Like, we're not learning from our history at all, because you're like, how did it start to where it went from that one small thing to World War II, and now you have this? And to me, as just a common person, I just say, wow, we're sending a lot of money over there for no reason, you know, and then it's going to be... Uh, at one point, does it become a big deal? Yeah, yeah here? I and we don't have we don't have any, but I mean, we don't have the people to, to see it as a big deal to recruit because there's I don't know too much uh, I really think it comes to the family because mm-hmm. remove the social media from it, yeah, you know because they didn't have that back then. So, that
0: that is true
1: yeah that has to be the part that we're missing is like the family values
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know we don't sit around the dinner table but sit around the TV before Netflix you know <laughs> or if we're watching something you know you have to yeah I think it's that's where it starts unfortunately it, you gotta get it back to that point because there there's too much of Anybody can go on and get a reason not to join just by opening up Facebook or Twitter or Reddit or anything. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and, I, and they're not. Listening. Yeah, they're not listening to their parents, you know, or or the parents aren't telling them.
0: Yeah, but. yeah, and and you know, at the end of the day, I think there's a million different possible permutations <laughs> for for what kind of experience you can have in the military, and and if you really know what you're getting into, I think you can make it a positive one. For sure. Um, you know, yeah, they- my
1: dad was in... He was family support services, okay? When I say my dad, he, he actually... He did go to South Korea, and mm-hmm. they were pretty sure that... This was around the time that they were pretty sure something was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Like, to where he would... Like, they couldn't wave across the DMT or DMV. Yeah. They, DMT is something different. DMV, they couldn't do that because if they wave then the people on the other side would get in trouble for waving back. Right. You know, it
0: just, yeah, it's just it so intense. Like that that's crazy.
1: And, but my dad, like, I remember videos, they were, like, you know, he was handing, like, a bug spray and toiletry to the people going out in combat. That was my dad's job. Yeah, yeah. And it's not, it's oh, not cool. like if you join, your only job is, like, Rambo. You right, <laughs> right. There's a whole lot of stuff that goes into planning, Rambo. I, I, yeah,
0: whole lot of support <laughs> ones for sure.
1: Yeah. So they don't. I don't. I'm sure there. That's missing too. And they, the recruitment, could be like, hey, you don't have to just go out and do all this. You can be, you know, little roles. All help. Everything. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> definitely need those. But I'm those so proud. Goals. I'm proud of my dad for his service.
0: Absolutely, you should be. Yeah, that's right. no, and it's all all important stuff. And you know, I think whether you're you know going as Rambo or as as your dad was a support role, I, I think people need to have this sense that they're a part of a, a winning team. And um, you know, for me with the with the Navy, I mean, each su- subsequent year, how I saw them respond to failure really did not sit well with me um and you can pick a small aspect like like fitness you know we didn't do a fitness test we're supposed to do one twice a year uh we didn't do one for two years because of covid and boy wouldn't you know it a lot of people failed first time back and it's like
1: yeah i can imagine
0: what are we doing guys and and so much of this a lot of times is like to to lower the standards or you know fudge a little bit on the weigh-ins or you know just a little bit of little incremental change whatever else just to keep the numbers up and it's like well no your your response should be a culture of excellence and fitness you know to to change this trend Um, you know and and, okay you failed a test all right so we're just going to do like a, a board and just like discuss it there's no right or wrong answers and it's like well, no, now you're not prepared for the scenario that you're training for. This is, this is a disaster waiting to happen. But uh, that's, you know, that's how they respond to, to failure. I, I, I don't know, you know, and, and they got to be part of a winning team. But I, I don't know what the clear objective is. What if civilians see anything like that? I mean, what, um, you know, what clear objective or clear goal do you think the military could have that would get get people signing back up?
1: Well, I would say um, I would love to see them try to push, um, like, air shows and um, yeah things like that. I mean, there's, like, something that they had at Mayport in Jacksonville and NAS is they would, I mean, they still do it. Mm-hmm. And it's just not, it, it was just always so cool. Like, you would see, like, one year they would have it at the NAS, um, the Naval Air Station there yeah. They would they would do air shows and mm-hmm. see all the blue angels and everything. That was so awesome. And then next year they would have it at the sea, like or at the beach,
0: like yeah. by
1: Mayport. And it would they would have like all the hovercraft like storm the beach and show what it was like and that was always Oh, that's that really was always cool. so neat. Yeah, it was it's yeah. And
0: um, Well yes yeah,
1: they need more marketing for that. And I think that was killed like 15 years ago. And they tried to make any kind of showing your arms or showing like a gluttony of uh, military abundance, you know, but it's not it, there. The purpose was to get people to sign up and be awed by. No, that's the machinery and everything. Yeah. That's what they need to do. No, they and you're. just And it's not. Can't be that
0: expensive to No, and I, I think you're totally you're totally right because like when Top Gun came out, you know, the Navy saw like a five hundred percent bump in recruitment or something crazy and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, one movie, awesome movie, back when, you know, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer and you know, and, and Don Simpson was still alive back then and uh, you know, they just cranked out amazing movies, blockbusters. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, just like even on a more individual level of, yeah, air shows or something like that, like something that people can see in person, I think is a big, a good deal. And and you're right. I think public perception of that has gone way different. I mean, remember when Trump went to have a military parade and everyone said, no, mm-hmm.
1: you can't do that. Like- <laughs> but you know what? you got, you all, you everybody knows it scared some other countries. Like they are you know, even though we, yeah, even though we had our crazy you know, people that were so negative about what that all was, still mm-hmm. showing off. Everything is very intimidating. For yeah, China, everyone else. It's yeah. like, hey, look, we get... people don't understand that part of it anymore. But he did; he got it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I you know, can definitely see the point of like, ah, maybe we don't want to do that. But, um, but the reasons that they they gave it was kind of like, no, you don't understand. Like, this is really. Would be really helpful for military recruitment, whatever else. But um, I, I guess, I guess we're moving away from that. Or you know,
1: yeah. The, the I military. mean, the people, the negative side of it is like the consequences are minute. And, and like, yeah. So what? You don't like it? You're not who I'm trying to recruit. You were never going to volunteer anyway. You uh, know? Right.
0: You have. Not only do you have to market. You have to market to the right audience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and the people shouting down and, and and trying to prevent the parade, or like you mentioned, an air show—you know, something smaller, something more local—it's it, like, well, you're not exactly who we're trying to to get. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Yeah, completely different That's demographic.
1: So, yeah. It's, um, it's but ground um, level is where it starts. I guess you could.
0: Learned that from Obama, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <Crafty>. <laughs> no, absolutely true. Absolutely true. Um, well, yeah, Ashley, I, you know, really appreciate your your perspective and also sharing your family experiences and um, everything else, and uh, you know, just kind of more of a, a civilian civilian perspective too. I mean, I, I mainly speak with with veterans, get get an idea of their experiences, things that have already happened, but. You know, in, in some of the cases, some of them are drafted, the guys that I talk to. So, you know, recruitment isn't oh, wow. really on the radar for them. Um, but, uh, yeah, wow. really... Yeah. That's
1: got to be an interesting conversation with those guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, well, there there are two guys I talk to who... Um, well, there's one, one episode I haven't released, but uh, he this guy got drafted during Vietnam and he was uh, a doctor but he, he had a, a foot uh, in like deformity that he was born with and so he was like 4F couldn't draft him and then I guess they got so desperate they're like yeah you're going there's no option no. Um, yeah. and he's like well I'm 4F they're like not anymore <laughs> you're going um, and then another guy I talked to he joined during Vietnam, like during the draft, but he knew like that he wanted to join the army since he was a little kid, and then kind of the same scenario with my dad like he it was during the draft he's like, well, I could wait to get drafted or I could just join and hope it works out in my favor and um so he joined but but yeah uh, and then another guy I talked to uh he was given the option uh join the military or go to jail, so <laughs> kind of like oh, a draft, okay. yeah. <laughs> On a very personal mm-hmm. level, but um, but yeah, it's um, you know, with an all volunteer force, it's it's like you say, it's it really is all about marketing and and putting on that display of power and showing that people would be joining a winning team. I think is really really important.
1: Yeah, they yeah, luckily they have, do have a couple movies coming out, and it's, I don't know, it's that whole weak generation creates strong men and. All that stuff. We're in that weak generation part. So yes, so.
0: yes, we are. Unfortunately.
1: <sighs> um, okay. Well, uh, before
0: we sign off, uh, any parting words of wisdom um, anything, uh, anything you want to share? Oh, uh, let's see. We can just
1: instill family values and pride in America, and
0: that'll get you further. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's. It's definitely true. Uh it has everything to do with uh, you know, solid foundation and uh as well as uh with morale. Both very, very important things. But well, Ashley, thank you again so much for coming on, giving me your perspective. Really valuable and uh, fun chatting hey, with you. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely.